Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Your experience. All right. Well, good morning, Thrive. 10.30 a.m. Come on now. Y'all came out. All the 11.30 just came to 10.30. And then there was like a good amount of people at 9 o'clock, but 10.30, I think y'all in my favorite service. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Hey, do me a favor. Can we welcome everyone watching online this morning? Thank you guys for watching. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So excited, whether you're online or in the room, to have you here. And man, Easter last week was incredible. So good. That was so good uh, what God did in that gym. And can we just give it up just one last time for the dream team who made that happen. Every volunteer who sacrificed their weekend, if you were there to help make that happen, thank you. And for those of you who helped invite friends and neighbors and coworkers and to, to see what God is doing through our church in just one day. E- Easter is kind of a, a cool day to do that because everyone wants to go to church anyways, right? You know what I'm talking about? So we just kind of take advantage of it and we get to celebrate what Jesus did uh, on Easter through Thrive. And now we're at three services and I just think the future's now. Come on. We're just going for it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. For those that do not know me, my name is Pastor Chris. I get to serve as the lead pastor here at Thrive and very uh, humbled and honored to have you with us here this morning. And so we are starting a new series. Come on. We're going to start a new one. Some of you are like, I, never, I didn't think Inside Out was ever going to end. We're going to be at Inside Out forever. He's just going to come up with random names and words, and we're just going to talk about that every week. No, no, very good. It was, it was a very good series. And today we're, we're going to start a new series for, uh, it's not as long as Inside Out. We're going to do it for the next six weeks. And it's titled Beautiful Resistance. Everybody say Beautiful Resistance. Beautiful Resistance. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next six weeks on the life of Joseph. On the life of Joseph. And if anybody knows Joseph, um, in the Old Testament, incredible, incredible man, incredible story. Um, for some of you who've never read the Bible, but you've watched the movie, you know what I'm talking about? The little Joseph King of Dreams movie. Come on, DreamWorks, 1999. All right, cool, whatever. I, I'm not trying to age anybody, but it's all good. So we're going to go, we're going to talk about that guy. And um, man, what an incredible story that he has. And we're going to dive into the next six weeks for that. And so do me a favor, stand to your feet. We're going to go through today, chapter 1, but we're going to Genesis 37, chapter 1 of the series, Genesis 37, and we're going to read about 11 passages, so you're going to get all your reading done for the day, okay? All right, so that way you can, you can you'll be good. We're going to read 11 passages this morning. Let's go ahead and jump into it in Genesis 37, and it says this. It says, now Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan, These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pastoring the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph had brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors, verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak to him peacefully. Now Joseph had a dream. Everybody say dream. Dream. Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. 
He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field. And behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Verse 8. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to rule over us? You got to put a little bit of attitude. You know what I'm talking about. So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Verse 9, then he dreamed another dream. Everybody say dream. dream. He dreamed another dream and he told his brothers and said, behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told to his, to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have learned, that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed Come to bow ourselves to the ground before you. And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're doing here at Thrive. I pray we would have an ear to hear what you're saying to the church this morning. What you're saying to us this morning. And Holy Spirit, I pray we would receive all that you want to give us. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. All right. And so for the next six weeks, we're going to go through the life of Joseph. And I want to start off by talking about Joseph. I want, I'll, before we're going to even get into kind of the theme of, of, of Joseph's life and, and the trajectory of his life and what God did in his life. And obviously six weeks is not enough. Like there's so much in this man's life. I want to kind of give you a little bit of, of a of an ESPN highlights of his life, okay? Is that cool? All right, sounds good. So who is Joseph? We're going to talk about him, but who is he? So who, who is Joseph? We can put that on the screen. Who is Joseph? Well, I believe that the story of Joseph is the story of conviction, resistance, and the future. When we read about Joseph, we find that Joseph is an incredible man. We just read this first passage where Joseph has a dream. And at 17 years old, God gives him a dream that one day he is going to rule over his family. And I'm just going to let you know the end now so you don't have to worry like on Saturday morning cartoons where it's like to be continued and to be continued. Anybody? Okay, I'm the only millennial in the room. It's cool. All right. So, so um, at the end, he does. The dream comes to pass. He ends up being second in command, governor of Egypt. And he rescues his entire family and the nation of Egypt from famine. Joseph's though, story is as soap opera as you can get. Up and down and up and down. You think your life is bad? Huh. Man, Joseph. And, and what we find in this whole story, this narrative, is that Joseph is a man of incredible conviction. We, for the last 10 weeks before Easter, did that series Inside Out, and we were talking about spiritual maturity. I believe that Joseph embodies, models spiritual maturity for you and I. And actually, if you didn't know this, Thrive's kind of passage, like Thrive's main scripture here is, is out of Genesis chapter 49. And it, it's uh, his father, Israel, praying over Joseph. And he says that Joseph is a fruitful vine, a vine that climbs over the wall. Meaning that Joseph is one that no matter what's around him, he still grows and overcomes even when people thought he couldn't. And if Thrive has any story, it's that story. 
that no matter what, that this church and this house and the people of this house, no matter what's in front of them, no matter what surrounds them, no matter what's near them, God grows us and continues to grow us and God continues to use us no matter what the circumstance is. If we were to have a Bible mascot, it is Joseph. Not like the UCLA bear, it was Joseph. And so I, I love talking about Joseph. I believe he embodies and models this life of a disciple in an Old Testament context. I believe he's an Old Testament disciple. I believe he, he, he lives a life that the New Testament disciples followed in an Old Testament reality. I believe that when you read about the life of Joseph, you read a life that is full of conviction that's full of resistance, that there was a resilience in him, that, that it was a beautiful resistance, that he did not allow what happened in his life and, and culture and situations to determine what God was gonna do in his life, to determine who he was in Jesus, to determine his love and his wholehearted devotion to God. And it's a, it's a, it's a story of future. It's a story that God is sovereign no matter what. It's a story that even though it's messy and even though life happens, it's like what the Bible says in Romans, that God can make all things work for our good for those who love him. Yeah. Nowhere in scripture, right? Like, I, I, or not nowhere, but, but what, one of the most prominent, preeminent places in scripture. And I believe in my brain right now as I'm thinking, maybe Job's the other one, but Joseph, where God just makes it work out. And one of the things I love about Joseph is Joseph was normal. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a preacher. He was a dude. But he was a young kid who God decided to get in the midst of his life. And because of the dream that Joseph had, and because of the trajectory of what God decided to do, God took him in a whirlwind of life that ended up setting him up to be an influence and so that way people could know who God was. We're going to talk about that. We're going to learn about that. Let's learn a little bit more about Joseph. Joseph's the great-grandson of Abraham. He's the grandson of Isaac. And he's the son of Israel and Rachel. Now the Bible says that Joseph is the favorite son. Now, how many of you have parents and you know who your parents' favorite was? Come on. Come on. He said me. <laughs> Pastor Matt said me. <laughs> I love you, bro. That's awesome. I wasn't. Come on. Come on. My mom's favorite was my brother Alex. Man, if I did something small, the chancla came coming. Come on. How many know what I'm talking about? Mexicans in the house discipline. That chancla always found you. No matter where you were at, no matter where you were hiding, it was like the Holy Ghost. It just knew where you were always. Chancla, bah, or shoes. My mom would just throw shoes because she didn't even wear chancla. She just threw shoes. She just upped it up a notch. But Alex, Alex can get away with murder. Totally the favorite. The Bible says that Joseph's the favorite. Um, the brothers feel that Joseph's the favorite, and, and, and I don't think it's healthy to have favorites, but it happens sometimes. And what we have to understand is that in the Bible, um, that to just give a little bit of history and context to understand why he's the favorite, not only do I think there was something positioned in his life and God was doing something significant, um, the Bible says that uh, Jacob, he was the son of Jacob and Rachel. Now, Jacob um, is, pro is, is prolific in the sense that his life with God just incredible encounters and moments. Jacob has a dream. And in the dream, when, in, in the early chapters, you see that Jacob has a dream where angels are ascending and descending on a ladder from heaven onto earth. Now, that's a cool dream. Jacob is also the guy who had a 
fight and a wrestling match with God. I don't know about you, but that's intense. Right? Had a wrestling match with God. And God hit him in the hip. And he walked different from that day. Right? He had a little limp to it. You know what I'm talking about? And... From that day, his name was changed to Israel. Imagine having a moment where Jesus, where Jesus hits you on the hip and you can't walk straight no more. Like some of y'all, like you just, you just happy to go to church. Like that's, that's a whole nother level. And, and the Bible says that through Jacob's life, Jacob's life was very tumultuous. Jacob's life was, was very chaotic. And even there's a situation where Jacob, the Bible says that he, his plan was to marry his wife, Rachel. But his father-in-law swindled him and had him marry the older daughter instead of Rachel. Her name was Leah. Like imagine you're on your honeymoon and you wake up and you turn to your girl and it's the wrong one. That's some tea right there. Shoot. Like I just wake up. Oh, good morning, honey. Who are you? Oh, no. That's what happened to Jacob. Jacob married the wrong girl. His, her, her, his father-in-law gave him the oldest instead of the youngest to make him work seven more years in the field for free. Because God wanted to teach Jacob a lesson of patience. And so the Bible says that not, then finally Jacob marries Rachel. And because they get married, um, they have a son named Joseph. But Rachel was barren for years. Rachel was barren for years. And so, so Joseph is the 11th kid out of 12. He's almost the baby, but he's pretty much the baby. And he's the son of Jacob and Rachel. What scripture tells us is the chapter before is that Rachel actually passes away. In the same time frame, Jacob's father, Isaac, and Jacob's amazing, loving wife, Rachel, die at the same time. And so I would imagine that the reason why Joseph, the Bible says it's because of his old age. But also I believe every time he sees Joseph, he sees his wife, Rachel. And there's an intimacy there and there's a love there. Nonetheless, this is who Joseph is. And I believe that because he was the favorite, he ended up getting a different set of favors or, or a different uh, personality from his father. And, and what you find in, in these passages is that his father is hard on, on the boys, is hard on the brothers, but there's something different about Joseph. There's something different about Joseph to the point, which I believe is one of the most petty passages in all of scripture, that Jacob and Rachel or, and, and, and his family make Joseph... A coat of many colors. And the Bible says that because he got a jacket, his brothers hated him. I don't know about you, but that's super petty. Right? Now, I have siblings. I am the oldest of five. Come on. Anybody the oldest in here? Okay, come on now. Yeah, we got a different favor on our life too. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And some of y'all don't like your older siblings, but older siblings, I, there, there's some real love there. All right? And, and. But Joseph isn't, is favored like he's the oldest, but he's number 11. How many know that's not fair? Like how many of you know if you grew up with siblings and your sibling got a pair of shoes for his birthday and you didn't get a pair of shoes, there's a little bit of salt. You were feeling it. All right? And that's what happened. The Bible says that it was to the point where Joseph's brothers hated him, which I think is super petty. But it is what it is. Apparently jackets, especially rainbowed colored jackets, were very hot in the Old Testament. <laughs> that, that coat of many colors was the next Jordan one. You know what I'm saying? They were hot to the point where his brothers hated him. But in the midst of that, we find that Joseph chooses God. And in the midst of that, we find that through the life of Joseph, Joseph begins 
to be on this path where God sets him up in the dream that completely not only changes Joseph's life, but everyone around him. In this series, what we're going to do is we're going to really kind of talk about how the life of Joseph models to us different things. The first, which we're going to talk about today, is the life of Joseph models to us how to dream with God. Next week, we're going to talk about how the life of Joseph gives us a model or an understanding that the pain has purpose. We're going to learn that Joseph modeled to us, modeled to you and I today on how to do what's right and not what's easy. Joseph modeled to us how we need to stay planted no matter what. Joseph models to us how to be entrusted with authority. And Joseph models to us how to live in healing instead of brokenness. And so today we're going to talk about how Joseph modeled to us how to dream with God. And so the point, the main point of the conversation today, the main point of the message, if I could get any point of cross, it would be this, is that God has a dream. I want to talk about God has a dream with you today. And, and I, want to, I want to share with you this concept because I believe if you could catch this, that something real special and significant in your heart can begin to happen. And so here you find that in the passage, Joseph has a dream. Now Joseph is kind of the favorite. Joseph is kind of the one his parents really like, and he's got that coat of many colors. And, and, and Joseph, as you find in Scripture, is also kind of a snitch. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. The Bible says that Joseph was hanging out with, these, with his brothers, and they weren't doing something they weren't supposed to, and he went to go snitch on them with his father. And so some of you who are the youngest sibling, you know who you are. You know exactly who you are. And we're still praying that you repent for snitching. <laughs> neither way, neither, neither way. <laughs> Joseph snitched on his brothers. The Bible says that that starts to create tension. That starts to create something that, that begins to isolate him from his brothers a little bit. But, you know, he's still the little brother and he's doing his thing. And then out of nowhere, the Bible says that in his tent or wherever he was sleeping, Joseph has a dream. And the Bible says not only does he have one dream, but he has two. And these dreams are absolutely significant. Why? Because in the dream, what we realize is that God begins to give him a dream of his future. He begins to give him the plans for his life. He begins to show him a glimpse about what, about what he's going to do in Joseph. And why is this so important? Because what you and I have to understand that Joseph's dream wasn't just Joseph's dream, but it was God's dream for Joseph. And if you and I could catch this, this is really cool, is that if you would understand that God has a dream for each and sing, every single one of us, did you know that God wants to do something in your life? One of the things I've been praying about and thinking about, which I think has been really cool, is that recently at Thrive, not just on Easter, but any given Sunday, I just feel like Holy Spirit's really moving in his church. Like not just here, but across the board, but, but here, any given Sunday, you'll find people at the altar, you'll find people uh, during the message, myself or Pastor Eric, uh, we're preaching and people are just weeping. People just, people just crying. They're sitting where you're sitting and they're just crying. Maybe that's even you. It's okay. And, and let me tell you, I, I'm not that good. Pastor Eric's not that good. You could tell him I said that. We're not that good. That's the Holy Ghost. There's people that they have to stay for the next service worship because the Holy Spirit's on them so much that they feel like they can't move. People are crying. People are getting breakthrough. People are praying for people. Like, like I see people praying in the parking lot, in the, in the lobby, next to the, next to the coffee, at the altar. 
the kids are praying for each other. Youth kids, they're, Pastor Matt, you don't even let them out at time because altar calls are going crazy on Wednesday nights. Like God is moving. God is moving in this house. And only way he can move. And, and this is what I've realized is that I'm a firm believer that God wants to move every single week. God wants to move in your life every single day. That the Holy Spirit wants to be real in you all the time. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal himself to you all the time. But here's the catch. He's not going to do it the way you and I think. Why is the dream significant? It's not about the dream. It's the fact that the infinite God decides to meet Joseph where he's at and changes the trajectory of his life. It's that Joseph has an encounter with the God of the universe by via dream. And because of that dream, everything's different. And can I tell you that you and I, when we have an encounter and an experience with the real Jesus, when you and I meet the real Jesus, when you and I begin to know the real God, let's be honest, everything changes. Can I, can I be a little vulnerable? I don't want to have a place that, that I call my church that doesn't allow God to move in the way he wants to move. The thing, I, we pray as a staff all week. We're here in this sanctuary with all these hundreds of chairs, and it's like four of us because we take turns in this room. And what we pray is that, God, that you would have your way. God, that you would move. My prayer this week was specifically this. God, it doesn't matter if we're doing church for visitors or for church people. If Holy Ghost, you don't feel like you can do what you want to do. We're going to do church for the Holy Spirit. We're going to create a place where people can come and not experience good church, but experience the presence of God. We're going to be a place that, God, you can do what you want. And it doesn't have to look like how we think it's going to look. So if you're super prophetic, it doesn't mean everyone has to roll on the floor and cry and boogers and stuff every week. If you're super like Bible, 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 it doesn't have to be because someone was an awesome preacher or teacher. It can be different. And what we find in the life of Joseph is that Joseph has a dream. And it's not Joseph's dream. It's a God dream. And the God dream transforms his life forever. Because when you get a God dream, when you get a moment where God inserts in your life, where you understand that God comes into the midst of your circumstance, the midst of your pain, the midst of your family, wherever you're at, what it will do is it will propel you into a trajectory that will change your life forever. Because what you have to understand about Joseph is that if Joseph didn't have the dream, Joseph would have never got sent to the pit because Joseph decided to tell his brothers the dream. And how many of you know, if you have siblings, you don't want to tell them you're better than them. Some of you do. And listen, I had five brothers. At any given Tuesday, what we did when we were bored was fight. Fist fight, wrestle, we just fight. Like so many stitches in our family. Like it's a, it's a badge of honor if you've broken a bone or you, have, or you have stitches with your siblings. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, that's really unhealthy. It was, but you know, we made it. Joseph goes to his siblings and says, hey, I have a dream. Guess what? You're all going to bow down before me. And his siblings are like, what the heck, bro? <laughs> you, you're cute, Joseph. You're cute. That's what he did. He has a second dream. He has the audacity to tell his whole family the second dream. And because he has these two dreams, the Bible says that his brothers hated him so much that they sell him into slavery. So they put him in a pit. And because they put him in a pit and they sell him into slavery, he ends up going to Egypt. And he ends up getting sold into slavery and he's in the palace as a slave. 
And because he sold into slavery and he's in the palace as a slave, he ends up going in this palace and getting favor with the person that was his slave owner. And because he got favor with the slave owner, he had authority and he had integrity and he had influence. But because the slave owner's wife was kind of ratchet, let's just be honest. She decided to try to sleep with Joseph, but because Joseph loved God instead of his status, he decided to say no. And because of his integrity, he gets sent to prison. And because he's in prison, he meets two people and he interprets their dream. And when he interprets their dream, next thing you know, they end up leaving prison and they tell the Pharaoh because Pharaoh has a dream that can't be interpreted. So Joseph ends up leaving prison, goes to the Pharaoh, tells Pharaoh the dream. And Pharaoh decides to make Joseph the second in charge over the whole kingdom of Egypt and the whole nation. And because he's over the whole nation, he saves Egypt from famine. And because he saves Egypt from famine, his family comes from the land of Canaan to Egypt because they're broke. And they can't do anything. And what does he do? He forgives his family. And he redeems them and he restores them. And the end of the story, his family bows to him like the dream. Why is that so important? Because if God would have revealed the whole dream, probably Joseph would have never did it. Come on. If God would have said, hey, Joseph, your, your family's going to bow to you, but you're also going to go to prison, and you're going to go to a pit, and your brother's going to sell you into slavery, and you're going to be in jail, and no one's going to like you, and then they're going to bow. He'd be like, God, I'm out. <laughs> but see, the thing about God is that God wants to give you his dream, not your dream. And that when you and I begin to come to the understanding that his dream is my dream, and I begin to fall in him because it's not about just having a dream. It's about falling in love with the God that gives you the dream. It's about falling in love with the God that has a purpose and plan for your life. It's about falling in love with the God that knows what he's doing even when it doesn't make sense. I love what a guy named Lou Engel says. He's, he's an amazing preacher. He says, God had a dream and wrapped your body around it. You and I, there's a dream that God has, and you're in it. You're in it, whether you like it or not, whether you think you're made or, or on accident or on purpose, you were made on purpose. God decided in heaven there was no one on earth like you, and so he wanted you on the earth now. Why? Because did you know you're the only one that can love Jesus the way you love Jesus? You're the only one that can serve him the way you can serve him. You're the only one that has your story and your giftings the way you have your story and giftings. You're the only weird you. And you're weird. Get over it. You're not normal. And you will never be normal. Because God never designed you to be normal. Because God put something in you that's different. Why? Because there's people you got to reach. There's people that got to know about him. There's a family that's going to get restored and redeemed. There's a way you're going to love God the way no one's going to love God. He gave you a dream. Not because it's yours, but because it's his. And if you and I can catch the reality where the way Joseph dreamed with God is, can I dream with God that way? Can I, li can I let my life be a life that I live the life of the God dream? That the dream of God would be real in me. And the dream, listen, it's, it's not just about having a dream. I'm not talking about a physical dream. Can I let the gospel transform me? Can I let that moment that preacher preached and God stirred my heart do something to me? Can I let the time when I was in small group and Jesus was moving and speaking, speaking in me, can, can I let it mold me into something? Can, can I let the time I was reading my Bible and I was by myself in my room and, and, I, and tears were coming down my eyes because the Holy Spirit was moving. Can I let that be so in me that my life looks different like Joseph's? Because Joseph 
let the dream, because it was God's dream, because it was God encountering him, propel him to his future and never lost sight of the dream ultimately until the end. Ultimately until the moment where the dream came to pass and all the in-between was crazy. But it's okay because God's going to use it and God's going to make sense of the dream. As I was praying about this series, the theme of the year is it's not over, just getting started. I don't know anyone else's life better to preach on it's not over, just getting started than the life of Joseph. Because at so many moments of Joseph's life, and maybe you're in this room and you can relate to the same thing, it feels like it's over. But if God can do it to Joseph, come on. If God can get Joseph through prison, if God can get Joseph when his, when his family hates him, if God can get Joseph when he feels like he's a slave to the palace, come on, that's some of your jobs. I'm preaching right now. Some of y'all, you feel like that at your workplace. If he, can, if he can get him through all the stuff, then what can God do in your and my life? Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's the God of my yesterday, he's the God of my today, and he's the God of my tomorrow. God's the Alpha and the Omega. He started it, and he's going to finish it. And so God's got you, even when you feel like you don't got yourself. Because God has a dream. God has a dream for you. God has a dream for your city. God has a dream for your family. God has a dream for your kids. And God wants you to get caught up in his dream, not your dream. So let's talk about the dream a little bit. What happens when you dream with God? And I want to just give some language because I feel like there's some people in here, God's been doing some amazing stuff. As I was praying this week. I was just thinking about the 40 plus people that got baptized a month ago. That was crazy. The 1,900 people that came on Easter. That was crazy. And week in, week out, God moving in groups. God moving in all the stuff that we're doing here at Thrive. The prayer meetings and the, and the Thrive groups and, and all of it and the teams. And, and what I am seeing, see, see as the lead pastor, I, I get to see from like up here, right? Because I'm not like in the th thick of it as much. So I get to kind of like peep out sometimes and be like, oh, look, like it's like on an airplane. You get to see from like afar, like on top, you know. And what I'm seeing is all over the place, just, just God moving in pockets all over the body. God moving, God moving, God moving, God moving, God moving, God moving, God moving. And, and what begins to happen is this, what you have to understand is when God moves, things begin to take place. Good things, healing, breakthrough, miracles, Freedom, restoration, redemption, all the good stuff, all the stuff you shout yes and amen for. Come on. Because that's the stuff we usually shout yes and amen for. Some of y'all even got a check in the mail. Come on, somebody. But the good stuff. But also, when God moves, there's some stuff that happens that feels weird, but it's just as powerful as the good stuff. Because you need this. You need this, these things to happen. So that way... You can handle what God wants to do more in your life. And so what will happen when you dream with God? See, Joseph has a dream, and he dreams with God, and then things begin to take place. The first thing is that the dream will separate you. Some of you, God's been moving. God's been speaking. God's been doing something tremendous in your life. God, God's, God's doing some incredible work. But for some reason, you are now feeling distant from people who you were close to. It's because God's moving. It's okay that your friends don't invite you to drink a beer after work anymore. 
It's okay that your family don't want you to go to the party anymore because you're like the Jesus freak. Okay? It's okay. Because they're going to play poker. <laughs> or whatever stuff they do. Or whatever, right? Like whatever. I, I just use poker because I just think of like people partying in the backyard like with poker and stuff, right? That's my very like Mexican I, like thought process of partying. I'm just being very honest with you. You just think of like the backyard, you know. <laughs> what I've realized, and this is something that happened with me, is when you begin to experience God in a real way, like Joseph had the dream, the people who might be your closest in your life aren't as close to you anymore. And it's not because God's mad at you, and it's not because you're doing everything wrong, it's because you're doing everything right. And I'm not talking about we're not going to love them. I'm not talking about you have to hate them. No, no, no. No, don't, don't go there. That's not what I'm, like some people listen to preachers on what they're not saying. Don't be that guy. I'm saying that for some reason you feel a little bit more isolated and alone than usual. And that's because what God's doing is separating you so he can develop you by himself. And I'm all for groups and I'm all for relationships. And like, like I, will, I will preach till I'm blue in the face about groups and relationships and people. But let's be honest too. There's just some times where God needs to do something with you and him. And what God will do is he'll begin to sever some relationships in your life. He'll begin to separate you from some things in your life. He'll begin to consecrate you from some things in your life. Why? Because there's the God dream. There's the God dream. There's something happening that's real and that's alive. Number two is that the dream will cause tension. The dream will cause first internal tension. Because you will begin to feel this tension that you do not want to be who you used to be. When God really moves in your life, there should be a burden to follow him. There should be this trust to relentlessly go after him. There should be this burning passion in your heart to pursue Jesus and nothing else. That's what happens when you really have a moment with God. That's what happens when God really does something in your life. Where you begin to realize all the things that are out there are not worth it. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Take it all, but give me Jesus. And so you'll have internal tension because the sin that you're doing, it doesn't, you, don't want, you don't want to do it no more. You, you, you feel bad more than you used to. That's okay. You should. Right? There's this tension on the inside of you. And, 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 and really, for me, the biggest tension was this. It wasn't just the intention of not who I used to be, but what happens when God begins to speak to you and the plan and purpose that he has in your life and the things that he's calling you to do, you also feel this tension that you're not where you're supposed to be. And we live in that. We'll live in that. Where, man, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Man, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And if you're a perfectionist, that's killer. Because that will just eat you up. But can I tell you that God's working on it? Because if you're not where you're used to be, then that means he's going to get you where you need to be. You need to catch that. That man, it's okay. Because I remember who I used to be. I remember where I was. And so if God has brought me this far, he's just going to keep going. There's a tension. And lastly, the dream it won't be understood. I, th I was just talking to a person this week, a um, really cool couple at our church. And, and um, they were talking to me about how they just, she 
feels this tremendous pressure to bring her mother. I guess she grew up in church. Her mom grew up in church, and she's kind of lost right now. She's in that prodigal, you know, running away from God. Come on, some of us know what that was because that was us. She's in that prodigal place, and she's just like, Pastor Chris, I just, I just feel like I need to bring her to church and to Jesus, but she's just not budging, and I, and I, and, and I, could, I, could, I could feel it. Like, you know when you have a conversation with someone and you just not hear it, you could feel it? Felt it. And I, and I just told her, I said, we're going to keep praying. We're going to believe that one day she's going to be on this altar. Come on. She's going to show up. She's going to show up at a nine o'clock. You know it's Jesus when they show up at nine. <laughs> and then God's going to do something, right? But what I told her is, it's not your job to save her. And we know that. We heard that. We know that. We like, I think we, we hear that. Like, like in our mind, you know. Um, and and what, what I've learned is, we feel this pressure to make people understand what God's doing in our life. But can I tell you, they're not going to get it. Because it's not your job to make them understand the dream. It's your job to live the dream. I, I, I felt that one. For someone online or watching the room because you have been feeling this internal pressure that it, it, I just got to make it make sense. I got to make it make sense. I got to make it make sense. I cannot tell you that if everything in this Christianity made sense, it wouldn't be Jesus. It would be the God of your mind. And if it can all make sense, then you can manipulate it in your way. And I got to tell you that it's not your job to make someone understand why you're a follower of Jesus. It's your job just to follow Jesus. It's your job to make him room and space so he could understand, so they can understand, so he could show them, so he could explain it. Because he's the only one that can do it. Because you were just as stubborn. It didn't make sense to you. You didn't get it. You hated going to church. And then Jesus showed up. And so you, it's not your job. It's not our job to make people understand the dream. But it's our job to live the dream. The Bible says that even Joseph's father, Jacob, who literally wrestled with God and had dreams with God, doubted the dream on his life. And there's someone in the room who you are trying to explain this God thing. You're trying to experience this dream thing. You're trying to explain this whole thing that God's doing in you. And listen, they're just not going to get it. And you got to let it go. Because what you're doing is you're allowing it, you're allowing their misunderstanding to cap what God wants to do in your life. Because you're letting their opinion determine your relationship. And what I would tell you today is just let it go. Because that's what the dream's going to do. The dream is not going to make sense to everyone. It's not going to make sense to them why you come to church every Sunday. It's not going to make sense to them why you raise your kids the way you raise your kids. It's not going to make sense to them why you don't let your kids watch stuff on TV the way other people's kids watch stuff on TV. It's not going to make sense to them why you don't let your kids smoke weed in the garage, but their friends smoke weed in the garage. It's not going to make sense to them why you don't do the things you do at work. It's not going to make sense to them why you pray in the morning and you pray at night. It's not going to make sense to them why you treat your wife the way you treat your wife and the way they treat their wife the way they 
future wife. Why? Because there's a dream inside of me. God's done something inside of me. I've lived my life a different way because I've experienced a God moment that has changed the trajectory of my life forever. And we have to be okay with people, family, friends, not understanding the dream. And can I tell you that God's got it? Because they under, because Joseph's family, they understood at the end when they were all bowing to him. And I'm not saying they're going to bow to you. They're going to bow to Jesus. But you just got to do what you got. I, I feel like there's just someone in the room who is so caught up. Like, like I, I, it's almost as if I just see you trying to run a marathon. I get this picture in my head where you're trying to run a marathon. And you have all these hurdles. You know, like the hurdle jumpers? You know what I'm talking about? I can't do it. Don't, like, that's as high as I can jump. I'm, I'm little, I'm Hispanic, I, this is it. But what I see in this picture in my mind is you're allowing people to put hurdles and you're even like putting them yourself when God's trying to take the hurdles away. Because what you're doing is that you're allowing people's opinions and perspective to determine the dream of God on your life when the dream of God in your life should only come from the people you trust and the God of the universe who gave you the dream. It's okay that they don't get it. They didn't, they, didn't get, they didn't get it with Joseph. They didn't get it. That's okay. They might not ever get it. That's okay. It's all right. You're doing good. You got this. Just keep following Jesus. Do me a favor, stand to your feet. Come on, stand to your feet. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.